Uncle Luke showed me the way to go home because God is where home is. Making love. That's what we need to talk about. Uncle Luke says, making love. Come on in. Let's check it out. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to chapter 8, verse 3. All the bubbas of the world. We got one mission in mind. Welcome to the Bublical Channel. Man, we're glad you're here. We're glad anybody shows up because all we're trying to do is be a beggar who shows other beggars where to find bread. All we really are looking for is people to start reading their Bibles, saying their prayers, getting together and talking God. Talking God should come naturally to us and we need to work it in um, to our conversation. And the Bible is there to help us work God into our conversation. Gives us the best stories ever played out because it's God who's playing out these stories. And I guarantee you, the more you work at your Bible, have a little fun with it, have a lot of fun with it, the better off we're all going to be. To all the bubbles in the wor- bubbas in the world, we're talking to you. All the bubbets in the world, we're talking to you. Let's get biblical. Come on in. But before we do anything, let's indeed pray. And let's pray like that peasant girl, Aunt Mary, we might call her, Jesus' mom, uh, teaches us how to pray. And she just simply says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servants. He who is mighty does great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And let's not forget how Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ah, there's the rub. Praise God. This is good stuff. Come on in, ladies and gentlemen. Let's check it out. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, down to 8-3, goes like this. And at the Biblical Channel, we just read the Bible, and then we talk about it. It's just that simple. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat. That's a good story, ladies and gentlemen. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in a Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him uh, in, saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who it, what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she was a sinner. Jesus, answering him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. He says, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both of them. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house You gave me no water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but 
From the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins are forgiven, which are many. For she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward, he went through the villages and the cities, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Cool beans. Here we go. Let's dive in and take a look at this. Now, there is one thing that I think a modern person living in the United States has to realize. How big hospitality is in the Middle East still today and certainly 2,000 years ago. Hospitality, you know, most everybody reached into their pockets and pulled out rabbit ears, if you know what I mean. They had nothing. So in a, in, you know, in a poor community, in a poor surrounding, which everybody was 2,000 years ago for the most part, you know, hospitality rules. Hospitality is the, one of the most important things ever. And so this setting is in large measure about hospitality. And the lack of hospitality, because ultimately this scene starts out as a religious guy. We'll call him Linda Loveless. And then and then verses verses we'll call her Polly prostitute, because by inference, you know, a woman of the city who is a sinner. Yeah, she's a prostitute. So we'll call her Polly prostitute. So this is uh, uh, an encounter you know, where we are measuring and we are rooting for either the Pharisee, Simon, Linda Lovelace, I call him, versus Polly Prostitute. And then we're going to have to ask the question, whose side would we be on? And if you've picked the right side, whose side do you want God on? That's the key question coming into this. Um, because it is so important to understand that when it comes to the portrayal and to the teaching of who God is, the Bible has no competitors. Zero, zero holy books, zero scriptures talk about God in these terms. Because the other thing that you've really got to read with is the idea that you know, as the reader, that Jesus is God. If you're not reading this text, understanding that Jesus is God, you are going to miss everything that is fun, everything that is good, everything that is meaningful. Because Jesus being God is really what makes this text just a romp. First of all, you've got a pompous, pedantic prick named Simon, who's a Pharisee, and he's a religious guy. And he's the loser in this text. Now, obviously, you know, Polly prostitute here, who is unnamed, by the way, this is not Mary Magdalene. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe in a, in a minute. 
but 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 old Polly prostitute here is the 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 champion in the scene because God has chosen her for Simon to look at. Simon, look at her as the paradigm of faith, which would have come across as 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 absolutely rude, arrogant, and how dare you kind of stuff from Simon to Jesus. And, and that the, the stage, stage is really set. Once you understand what's going on, you can see how the stage was set. That, that old Simon the Pharisee here, he has invited Jesus in, not because he's impressed with Jesus, but because he wants to weigh Jesus and he wants to measure Jesus. He is putting Jesus in his own little trial in his own house when he invites him in for dinner. Let's just call this the left hand of fellowship. You know, when you get the left hand of fellowship, it ain't good. People mean harm to you, not good for you. And they pretend like they're your friends. But indeed, they intend on trying to throw you under the bus. And what makes this so fun is when you start realizing that Jesus is God. Now, all of a sudden, you start to see a picture of God emerge as to whose side God is on in this world. You see, the reality is the biblical text, this storyline, if you would drop this story into any other culture or religious setting in this modern world or the ancient world, people would be on Simon's side. Simon's looking at this lady and he's thinking, first of all, Jesus is a dumbass because he doesn't know who's, who this is wiping his feet. And if, he was, if, he, if Jesus was worth his salt, then he would tell this prostitute to get the heck out of here. That's the scene. That's what's going on. It's only Christianity that portrays God as being not only interested in poly prostitutes, but he actually puts poly prostitute up as the paradigm of faith. It is her faith that has made her well. What does faith mean? It means to trust, rely, depend, to actually put your reliance into something. This, this gal has put her whole egg into Jesus' basket. She has heard him by reputation. She knows him by reputation. And she almost, it seems like, knew that he was walking into a trap where he would not be treated well. And so she kind of barges in, I guess, or slips in, I guess. I, I think part of the key is, is that Jesus has to say to Simon, Hey, Simon, do you see this woman? Meaning that she probably just slipped in because they're so arrogant. They're so full of themselves that they can't even see people like this. And when they do, they are full of self-righteous pomp and BS. So the, the, the passage is just, you know, stacked with, with Simon the Pharisee being a self-righteous, pompous, pedantic prick. And Jesus, and Jesus turns the table on old Simon. And we love it. But, but listen, the reason why we love it is whether you're a, a Christian for a long time or not, the only reason why you love it is because this is the Christian teaching. This is Jesus' teaching. This is biblical teaching. From the front to the back of the Bible, this story is God all over the place. God sees the little people. God, little old Mary, right? She prays and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord because he looks at the little people. Only God looks at the little people. In this world, the little people are marginalized and kicked to the side, and half the time it's us that are doing it. Even if you're a good Christian, you have a way of looking down on the little people. This story tells us 
that the way that we do life in this world is messed up. And Jesus is calling all of us out as a bunch of jerks. Oh, I love my shirt. It's my favorite shirt. It is hockey season when this video is being made. Um, I am pulling for those Carolina Hurricanes who coined this phrase. Somebody called them a bunch of jerks, and they said, we'll own that. And that's what I say. You know what? If you ever want to understand Jesus, first of all, you got to join a bunch of jerks. You have to understand yourself as just a bunch of jerks. When you understand that, then you're ready to say, Jesus, I get it now. I get it now. Jesus makes it clear that God is for the little people and that he's not impressed with the pompous, pedantic, prick religious people. Now, listen, being religious is awesome, but you've got to be religious the way God is religious, which is the way of love, which is what we're coming to. So now you understand the scene, the tension of the scene. It's really not hard to work out, but I mean, that, that's what's going on here. And you've got to be cheering. You've got to be cheering for this gal. Because it's a big setup. And you got to be cheering for Jesus. It's just, He's just set up. The Pharisee Simon thought he was setting Jesus up. And all of a sudden, Simon is in a big setup scene. This is wonderful stuff. This is awesome. And then Jesus tells him this, this like little, you know, oh, man, it's just a, such a tiny, simplistic parable that you can just hear the the, the pompous tones in Simon. When, when Jesus says, you know, I've got something to say to you. And Simon says, well, say it. He doesn't say, yeah, what's that, Jesus? I'm interested. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very terse, you know, response. Well, say it. I teach eighth graders. I hear this crap all the time. Say it, teacher. Okay, anyhow, then Jesus drops in this simple story. Like, you know, honestly, a two-year-old could figure it out. If you told this story to a two-year-old, do two-year-olds talk? Maybe I should say three-year-old. If you told this story to a three-year-old, they'd get it. So this is condescending stuff. Don't, don't, don't think that this is mind-blowing stuff. If you, you know, you're supposed to intuitively get it. And, and, and it actually feeds into the perception that Jesus already has of Simon is that he is self-righteous. That he and self-righteousness is predictable. Jesus sees it on his face. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be God in this episode, you know, to, to understand the mind of, of Simon. He can just see it on his face. And, and, and you know, don't ever forget that predictability is, is it, um, stupidity is predictable. And self-righteousness is predictable, too. People just wear it on their faces. I do, too, sometimes. You have, too, at times. And so he tells them this ridiculously simple little parable. And he says, what do you think? Who's going to love the guy more? The guy who, you know, got forgiven 50 or the guy who got forgiven 500 in debt? Well, the guy says, well, you know. Of course, the larger debt. And Jesus says, man, you're smart. <laughs> I've been in this situation before with people. You know, I mean, I just love it. I just love Jesus. I love God. Listen, hey, I got news for everybody. Jesus is the perfect God. Whatever you want God to be, it's Jesus. And if you don't want Jesus to be God, well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not interested because this is perfect stuff. The world that we live in has been shaped by Jesus. Looking at little people is now expected, and that's the right thing to do because Jesus says so, because God says so. It's God, man. Oh, anyhow. So so let's move on. And that little word, you know, so, so he says, oh, you've judged rightly, Simon. Mm, well done. Master's degree you must have. <laughs> and then he just lambastes him, and he tells him, he says, you gave me nothing when I came in here, but this lady here, this lady here, through the tears of her eyes and, and, you know, out of her own means, she has 
honored me. You haven't honored me, Simon. You know, you're just jerking everybody's chain here. You're jerking my chain. You're jerking her chain. And Jesus is standing up for the little people saying, don't jerk people's chains. And so now he makes her the paradigm of love. He shows Simon, this is what you need to learn from, Simon. Oh, yeah, you think it's simplistic. But what I'm going to reveal to you is that her sins are forgiven. And she knew that. And the reason why she is here, you know, with her tears and with her hair and with this ointment, you know, showing me honor that you should have given me, by the way, is because she loves. And the reason why she loves is because she has been forgiven, Simon, forgiven a lot. And when people feel forgiven a lot, guess what emotion Guess what feeling wells up inside of them? Love. You see, God, Jesus Christ, is defining love, baby. Our definition of love is so jacked and baked, it comes off of TikTok, it comes out of Disney. It is ridiculous. Our idea of love is dumb. You need to go to the Bible and hear the way God defines love because it's spot on. And if you think about it, you'll understand it is spot on. What Jesus is telling Simon here is that, do you see this love that this gal, this prostitute is showing? Do you know why she's doing that, Simon? Because she's been forgiven and she knows it. She knows that I'm the one who forgives sins. And so Jesus just now just freaking turns it on. He just ratchets the volume up about, you know, the full blast. And he says, your sins are forgiven. This is the second or third time Jesus has done this. And it just drives the crowds to put their hands over their ears like, no way. He didn't say that again. Who does he think he is? Who is this that even forgives sins? Do you know what point Jesus is making? I'm God. I decide about the forgiveness of sins. That's my business, the forgiveness of sins. And the idea of love is God's idea. And God's idea of love is completely built around forgiveness, forgiveness. And the feeling of receiving forgiveness results in being loved. Love is the religion that God is after. Ziggy Marley, man, thumbs up, two thumbs up for that song. Love is my religion. The religion, but you learned it from the Bible, man. And I know you did because your dad sings about, you know, Jesus as well. He's dead, but but no, no, you get the picture, you know, here that love is my religion. That is all God. That is all this scene right here. Jesus is saying, Simon, can't you see it? You aren't loving because you don't feel like you need forgiveness. And if you don't feel like you need forgiveness, you are loveless. Oh, Linda Loveless. That's who Simon the Pharisee is. Linda Loveless. He is without love because he has no need for forgiveness, he thinks. Listen, let's, let's, let me point out another thing. Okay, so I'm the kind of guy who I'm with her. I have so much sin that I have to love God because I'm incre- I love, I, I am so thankful to be forgiven. Man, it just motivates me. It really does. I have been a turd. Um, I have been a jerk. I am a jerk. And, you know, and I wake up every day motivated in love. 
because I have been given forgiveness. I get her. I, you know, I do. I get her. But then I also have a grandmother who's a hundred years old. Dude, she's a hundred. She's still alive. And, 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 and that grandmother is the perfect person who to me has never done anything wrong. She's not like me. She's not been a jerk like I am. I don't know. I haven't ever seen my grandma do anything wrong. But my grandma loves Jesus the same way I do because she loves the feeling of being forgiven that Jesus Christ promises. So listen, the, it's, it's not as though you have to be a jerk like me in order to feel love for God. No, no, no. My grandmother, who I would call almost sinless, she would never, she would never say that. She'd slap me upside the head. She'd Billy, quit saying that. That is not, no. I, you know, but she, this lady, has lived her life loving Jesus. Why? Because of the forgiveness that God gives in Jesus Christ. You see, that's the object, my friends. And that's the lesson that Simon has to learn or, or he's going to be lost. He's already lost. And the reason why he's being so spiteful to Jesus is because he does not believe that Jesus is able to forgive sins because he doesn't see who Jesus is. Now, this lady is now presented as the absolute paradigm of God's love. She has received forgiveness and she ends up loving. Um, Jesus makes it very clear it's not that she loved that caused him to forgive her sins. It's because she has faith in him. And he makes that clear. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Get out of this. this uh, get, go hang with people that, that will appreciate you. Go hang with people. Change your people, places, and things. Go in peace. Forget this guy. Thank you for showing up, by the way. You know, that's what Jesus is basically saying. You go in peace. This guy, he, he, needs, to, he needs to deal with himself a lot more. So, so love, according to God, is, is bound with the idea of forgiveness on both ends, meaning that God loves and forgives. And the proper response to receiving forgiveness is to love. And so the idea that the Bible is after, the idea that God is after, is love. Loving God because forgiveness gets our mind right. Loving God is directly tied to the idea of love and forgiveness and the real definition of love to begin with. And then Jesus goes out proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Do you see the connection? The kingdom of God is about bringing forgiveness, which brings love to the equation. Love is the religion that God has always been setting up. Every other religion fails that test. God is serious about love. We are a bunch of jerks and we are unserious about love. All of our definitions of love suck. Take God's definition of love and put it into your marriage. Take God's idea of love and put it into your community. Take God's idea of love and you have real, real love. And then the other thing you cannot miss here is how this scene has completely magnified the girls. I attempted to call this talk, go, go girls, like God's go, go girls, man. But the, the, the girls are the workhorses in this passage. Number one, this girl is celebrated by Jesus in front of this religious leader. And this religious leader is slammed by this girl who's a prostitute, by the way. Jesus loves the little people. But 
Previously, Jesus had elevated the paradigm of faith with that centurion who understood how powerful and how authoritative Jesus' words were, and that made him king, man. And so he submits like a dog rolling over on his back, showing his belly. He submits to Jesus' power and authority. But this lady here, she submits to Jesus' love, his forgiveness, and his willingness to to show kindness and to tell her to go in peace. This girl, this girl is for you, fellas. This girl is for every Bubba out there to imitate. This girl's the paradigm of love. Get your mind straight, man. Follow this girl's idea. Feel the weight of forgiveness and then respond to God in love and respond to your neighbors in love. That's what it's all about, man. Love is God's religion. Go, go, girls. And we're told that as Jesus goes to the cities and villages proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is, by the way, after this little passage, all about love. That's the connection. That's that's Uncle Luke doing some good writing. You, you want to hear about good love? You want to hear about making love? How do you make love? Well, forgiveness is the key to making love, baby. If you want to make real love in this world, forgiveness is the key. Don Henley sang about it. He says, I think the key is the forgiveness. Absolutely. But the girls, the girls are the rock stars. Yeah, Jesus is the tr- primary rock star. But the, the girls are, are the heavy lifters in the Bible. The girls are supporting Jesus' ministry. Mary used to have seven demons. She's not a hooker, by the way. She just had seven demons, so get off her back. She's not a hooker. The Catholic Church had to ban that um, uh, uh, from their records. They were like, yeah, we got that wrong. She is not. Mary Magdalene is not a hooker, nor is she Jesus' wife. Quit, quit following the wrong people and listen to Bible talks. But then there's Joanna, and then there's uh, um, uh, Susanna, and many others. Many others supported these this ministry of Jesus Christ out of their own means. And bam, 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 bam. The Bible elevates these gals. You know, if you're listening to people, if you're in a cocktail party and somebody says, ah, but the Bible's so old and it's misogynistic, drop your drink, slam it on the floor and say, no way. There's nothing in the Bible against women. In fact, God's the only only voice in the history of humanity in the Bible elevating the women, and putting the women up on top of the men. Hey, in the, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, zero girls are hostile towards Jesus. Only the boys are hostile towards Jesus. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, boys. You know what I'm saying? Men, get your minds straight. Men, hear the call to forgiveness and love. Be a real man. That is the heart and soul of this passage Make some love by taking forgiveness. That's what the Lord's Prayer says. You know, have your debts canceled and then cancel other people's debts. That's what God is all about. That's what the real action of love looks like. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I had fun with this talk. I hope you did too. But let's talk about this stuff, man. Get out there and talk about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Proclaim and bring the good news of the kingdom of God like Jesus does. Teach them what real love's all about. Love you. Catch you next time.